Hey, everyone. I am so excited for today. I'm actually kicking off my podcast, Poison Bald and Still Standing, and I have to tell you, I'm so excited. This has been a kind of a long time coming. I feel like it's, I didn't want to just jump into it and do it incorrectly, so I've sort of taken my time to get all the equipment and get everything ready, and so I'm very excited um, to kick this off. This is going to be a really true testament of, of what I've been through for the past crazy enough year I can't believe it's been a year since this kind of all started this everybody talks about this journey that you go on and I refuse to go on a journey but I kind of went on one so I'm going to tell you about it but it's been a year and I just really wanted to be um, as open and honest and um, as forthcoming as I can be about what I went through and just kind of give you um the ups and downs and the story and the journey and the trials and the craziness that happens when you're diagnosed with cancer and and um, just try to be as honest as I can and, and hopefully maybe help somebody through this process because let me tell you something it is the scariest scariest thing that um, has ever happened to me in my entire life and I've had a very very awesome life um, but boy, I'm gonna tell you something, this, your life kind of comes to a screeching halt and turns an about face and, and it becomes a full-time job once you're diagnosed. So I just kind of want to talk about it. This is going to be some probably conversations are going to be pretty frank and open and, um, as honest as I can be. And, and I want to have guests on here every week. And so the the goal for me when they come on here is obviously not to, tell you because there's no right or wrong we're just going to be honest about what we went through and what we've experienced and um and hopefully help somebody through the process because I will tell you 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 do feel like you're you're given a lot of information and they send you to chemo class before you start chemo and there's a lot of knowledge out there but I gotta tell you I there's so much you don't know and there's so much they don't tell you and I understand that they can't tell you everything it's just your brain can't um, grasp it all anyway but whoa there's a lot of um, info that you sort of learn the hard way and, and it's not so fun so I hope I can be frank and um, give people the you know gory details too um, and and help along the way so um, kind of just to go back from the beginning um, I I have always worked out I've been a fitness person I uh, my whole life really since college I started going to aerobics class classes in college and quickly quickly fell in love with it and started doing it pretty frequently and then once I got out of college I actually started teaching aerobics and um, taught for many 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 years probably 15 years I think so fitness has always been something that's been a big part of my life I stopped eating fast food in, in 85 just kind of lost a taste for it when I became so involved in the fitness world and nothing I did on purpose it just sort of happened naturally and I don't eat fast food to this day and I haven't for years and so um, just sort of lived that life and worked out with a personal trainer for many years about three years ago I also added boxing to my fitness schedule and dropped some weight and about two years ago kind of living the best fitness life I'd led in a long time I was eating really really well um working out at a boxing gym and then also being trained with a personal trainer so I was doing weights and I would literally go to a boxing class at six in the morning and leave at 6 40 to run over to work out with a personal trainer at 6 45 to lift weights and I was doing that almost every day of the week and so pretty 
doing pretty well on the fitness world, pretty pretty healthy, so I thought. Um, and it's kind of crazy because as healthy as I felt and as good as I felt and probably the best shape I'd been in in quite a while, I had cancer growing inside of me, which is oh, such a weird feeling when you think you're doing so well for your body and your body just sort of feels like it betrays you because you're like, listen, buddy, I've been really good to you <laughs> and you betray, betray me. So anyway, about two years ago, I had lost uh, quite a bit of weight and um, feeling good. I, ha- I still had energy. I never, that was the only, that's the one thing that still bothers me is that you would think if you're growing a tumor inside of you, that your body would give you not just obviously there were symptoms, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I just felt good. I had energy. I was, there were days or weeks I would work out 15 times a week, twice a day, sometimes three times a day. I was having a blast. And, um, and then all along this whole time I'm, I've, you know, I've got a tumor growing inside of me. So anyway, about November of 20, um, 2016, I was, um, had lost weight. Stomach was pretty flat from like belly button up. Belly button down, I had a little pooch and I had had symptoms for a couple years, I will just tell you. And I I didn't ignore the symptoms because I looked them up. I researched them all the time and it was very much similar to symptoms of menopause. I'm obviously at that age and so I thought, well, that's, you know, you only go through that once in your life. You don't have a lot of experience with the symptoms. So it just made sense that that's what it was. And I mean, I say ignore it. I didn't ignore it because I was, I was constantly researching it and trying to figure it out, but ignoring it and the fact that I wasn't really saying anything to a doctor about it. And then, um, probably by, I guess probably January of 2017, um, I just knew that I, you know, I'd had the symptoms for a couple years now I have this pooch that's just hard as a rock and won't go away no matter how, how much I work out. And I kind of started joking about it in the early parts of 2017 and my friends. In fact, I was lifting weight with a friend of mine, and she was, um, she was actually training me, and she was spotting me on bench press. And this was probably January time frame, I think. And she said, um, look how flat your stomach is. And I said, yeah, except for my tumor. And she goes, Lisa, you got to stop saying that. Because I had started joking about it. Because in my head, I knew I just had a feeling that's what it was. I felt pretty strongly that that's what it was. And she goes, you got to stop joking about that. I'm like, I'm I'm not saying anything I don't believe is true. I'm not like trying to put something out in the, you know, the ozone that's bad news. I'm saying I have it. I feel like I do. She goes, well, then you can go to the doctor. And I said, I've already made an appointment, sister. I'm on top of it. And I had already made an appointment in January. That's not true. In February, I made the appointment. So this must have been February we were talking about that because I had already set the appointment. And so when I called to make an appointment with my doctor, they couldn't get me in until May. And by that point, I was so convinced I had cancer that I even said to the receptionist who was scheduling the appointment um, that when she told me it was May before I could get in, I was like, I could be dead by then, which I'm sure she didn't appreciate, but that's what I was, and I was just speaking what I was thinking. I was like, good grief. So obviously between February and May were very long months of waiting because at this point I kind of had just, I just knew I had it, Um, which frustrated me 
because it's like it's been there for two years I mean I at that point I knew it had been just from what I had started studying and I remember one time gosh it probably been a year before this in my research of um, trying to determine what what was going on with these symptoms I remember reading one thing there was one little statement on something that I was looking up that said could also be uterine cancer and I remember that hit me like a brick, but then I thought, oh, there's, I mean, one time out of all these things I've read, one time it says that, no, there's no way that that's true. And so I just sort of put it on the back burner, but it was on the back burner and it kind of just kept poking, 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 poking at me. Um, and then fast forward to that February, I had called to make the appointment. So I waited until May and of course my little pooch never went away. I go see the doctor in May, and um, I tell her my symptoms, and she goes, well, you know what, Lisa? Let's just do a biopsy. She goes, when and someone your age um, has symptoms like this, she goes, I just schedule a biopsy. She said, we could, you know, I could do an ultrasound on you today. At the end of the day, we're going to have to do a biopsy to be, to be conclusive on anything, so let's just schedule it. And I was like, well, let's do it. And so we scheduled it for two weeks later, and then... Um, Memorial Day fell in there so then we went in I went in the Wednesday after Memorial Day for the biopsy and after she finished the biopsy of course I started crying because I just at this point was 1000% convinced I had it that I had cancer and so she came and stood beside me and she said are you crying because you're in pain or are you crying because you're scared I said oh no I'm scared I said I know I have cancer and she goes now, Lisa, she said it could be a million things. And I said, well, like what? And so she starts reeling off the same things I had read on the Internet for two years. And I said, I hear you. I know. But I just, it's a gut instinct, and I just feel like I have it. I said, I feel it deep in my soul. And she said, well, I wouldn't worry about it. She said, let's just wait for the results to come in. She said, they probably won't be in until Monday. And this was a Wednesday. She said, but if they do by chance come in on Friday, you know I'm going to give you a call as soon as they come in. But just, let's just wait and see. So, as you can imagine, between Wednesday and Friday, that was the longest um, weekend of my life, waiting for those results from the doctor. Okay, so to kind of paint the picture of the day of my uh, phone call from the doctor knowing, hearing the news of my biopsy, I didn't hear from her on Friday, so that meant I had a long weekend of waiting. Um, and so I heard from her on, on um, Monday. So you know how you have, you know you've got news coming, but you can just try to push it, push it back to the back of your brain. So that morning on Monday, I woke up um, early and headed to my 6 a.m. boxing class. Um, and by the way, waiting four days for test results is really uh, inhumane to the human brain. Our brains, I'm telling you, I told my doctor this the day of my surgery. I'm like, my brain is done. I have held so much in that little brain, and I have thought through so much th through this process. Uh, it is over all of this. It's tough on your brain. Um, but I just kept telling myself, okay, even though, you know, you had that little gnawing in the back of your head telling me, yes, I know I have it, got to get myself prepared. You know, there were many days of just driving around um, in my car, just thinking everything through and was trying to prepare myself for what was, what was coming on that Monday. Um, 
crazy enough, I actually slept very well Sunday night um, and woke up that day not expecting good news, but hopefully some, you know, just a little bit of inconvenient news, and then maybe I can just move on with my life. Um, At the gym that morning, my 6 a.m. class, I remember standing at the double-end bed talking to a friend, and she goes, you know, did you hear anything? I said, no, I'm probably going to hear today. And you know, everyone says, you know what, Lisa, it's probably nothing. I bet it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Everybody said that to me, and I just, you know, I wanted to believe them, but I knew I knew otherwise. So I would just cry and say, you're right, it's going to be fine, and I knew it wasn't going to be fine. So um, I, so I tried to just kind of hang in there and remain calm. I drove home, and I had hadn't been home very long. The class is over at 7, so it's about 7.23, I think. <laughs> you know, this funny day, that day, there's so many things that just stand out in my head, and I just remember the phone ringing at 7.23, or t- I got a text at 7.23, actually. And um, it was my neighbor who had said she was had been working out that morning um, herself and had actually fallen, and she felt like she had broken her wrist and asked me if I could um, come pick her up and take her to urgent care. And so I have to tell you, as sad as I was for her, and I was like, oh, no, that's the last thing she needs, I was so relieved because my brain was at full capacity of just worrying and waiting for the phone to ring. And, I, you know, you don't know when they're going to call. It could be, you know, it could have been at the end of the day, but I just thought, take my head out of this. So um, I ended up taking her to her doctor's appointment and then waiting for her, or not the doctor's appointment, sorry, at urgent care. I waited for an urgent care, and then, of course, they wanted her to go see a surgeon or a specialist, so I drove her over there. I dropped her off, um, and then I ran home to get ready for my day, and um, I, I can't, I wish I could describe for you the feeling I had that day, and it's so all-encompassing, and it's such a a feeling that I will never, ever forget. And I can remember it was a kind of a warm day in spring and in May, and I, oh, I wish I could describe that feeling. It is such a crazy feeling of driving home, and there was such an emptiness in me as I drove home to get ready, and I just sort of was in, like, autopilot. I can remember going home and showering and getting ready, but I was just in this zone of it's almost like I was walking in a bubble I wish I could describe it and and do a good job with that and I'm not but it was just a crazy feeling so I go pick her back up from her appointment I bring her home um, and she ended up having to be scheduled for surgery the next week I believe dropped her off backed out of the driveway and drove straight to my office and I no more pulled into the parking lot at my office than my phone rang and it was a doctor. <laughs> and I just can't even tell you the silence that was so deafening in my car. I knew it was a doctor's office. And, of course, it's the doctor on the phone. And as we all know, the doctor doesn't call when it's good news. The doctor only calls when it's bad news. And so, of course, my stomach did a flip. Um, and I remember her saying, Lisa, is this a good time? And I'm thinking, is there ever a good time for this information? And it's like her voice just turned into a mumble. 
and she may have she may have said it clear as day i wouldn't know because from that point on all i could hear was like a foghorn blaring in my head it was this i remember literally moaning and i said out loud it's happening so for the two years of the dread and and especially the last four months of just knowing it's happening like at this moment it's happening and i i i I don't hear, I don't know what she's saying at this point, because literally, I'm telling you, all I could hear was this horn in my head, this loud, crazy horn, and it's, I can tell you the parking lot spot I was sitting in, I can tell you the people that drove by, the cars, the people that walked by, there was, it was like, you know, you see those movies where someone's in their head and all this stuff's happening in a, at such a rapid pace but yet in their head it's like slow motion I, I i don't know how else to describe it but it was just crazy so imagine the horn blasting um i heard cancer i heard you were right and i heard lady you have a very strong intuition and she goes i can't believe i'm telling you you have cancer and so I remember I hung up from talking to her she said I'm going to get you in touch with an oncologist he's one of the best and she told me his name and I just remember her saying his name is street like the road you drive on and I remember the the, it's so crazy what you remember out of those conversations um and so I remember sitting in my car and I couldn't get any air in my lungs. This almost makes me cry to talk about it now. I could not get air. And I just thought, I got to breathe. Oh, just breathe, Lisa. And I just kept inhaling and just like, oh, my gosh, I can't breathe. And um, I thought, how am I going to tell my family? And then, like, your life literally, like, and I described this to a friend the other day. It really just feels like someone's dropped a black curtain and you can't see around it. So I just remember thinking, okay, I got this. And then I couldn't see, like I couldn't see what happens tomorrow. Like all of a sudden, all you can see is that moment you're in this little black room and you can't see around it. And I, I just kept trying to take breaths, and I couldn't fill my lungs up. And I was just like, okay, you've got to breathe, Lisa. You, this is not working. You've got to breathe. And I thought, okay, I've got to get out of this car <laughs> at some point. I have to get out of my car. I have to go to the office. And I I walked to the office, and I just kept taking these deep breaths, just trying to get air in my lungs because I literally could not get air in my lungs. Finally, I get to my office, and I just kept, okay, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. And I knew I had to call my parents, and um, I can't even tell you how you gather the strength to call your mom and dad and tell them that kind of news. And it just, I mean, it's been it. It's been since May, and I'm here, you know, emotional about it. But it's the worst news you have to tell somebody. And I, I, um, I had a, a, I have a very dear friend that's, you know, really helped me through this whole process, and. And I just texted him, and I just said, it's cancer, because he, he was waiting on the news, too, that day. And 
Oh my gosh, it's just the craziest feeling, and I don't know how um, I don't know how else to describe it. But um, something I would never wish on my worst enemy. I will tell you that for sure. Okay, so whew, that got emotional. Sorry about that. Um, so obviously, I tell my family, and um, and then the next step is waiting on the oncologist to call, which he did, and we got I got in to see him few weeks later um scheduled my um surgery I had to have a full hysterectomy on June 28th and then um recovered from that he ended up going out of town for almost three weeks I believe my oncologist and so um we scheduled the surgery uh, for June 28th and then um started chemo after I found out at that point that I was sta- grade three they don't do stages for some reason on uterine cancer never have really figured that answer out I probably need to do some research on that and figure out why but it was grade three um, uterine cancer it did surgery on June 28th and discovered um, in the surgery I did robotic surgery so I was in the hospital literally less than 24 hours which is so crazy when you think about that Um, And in the process of the surgery, they did find two lymph nodes that were slightly enlarged. um, And in the uh, pathology report, those did not have cancer in them, but they showed signs of invasion, which um, because of the grade of the tumor, it was 11 centimeters um, through a 19 centimeter wall, centimeter, millimeter, sorry, um, wall of the uterus. And so with that, and the fact that I had two that were showing signs of invasion, um, they scheduled me for 18 rounds of chemo, which I started on August 4th. Um, and um, one of the most emotional times of my meeting with my oncologist is when he tells you, one, you have to have chemo um, because of the grade three level. And um, as someone that owns my own business, and is the breadwinner in my family. Um, that's a very scary thought when you know how sick chemo makes people. And I'd seen my dad come through chemo, and I know it's not fun. And, um, and I just remember how sick he was, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? And, of course, as anybody that knows me that went through this process with me, I cried all the time. It's the one emotion that I just could not control and of course, I started crying with the doctor and said, how am I going to work? Can I still work? And he goes, yes, I'm going to make sure you can still work and we'll, we'll, we'll schedule this so that you are able to continue working. And so I actually had one treatment spread over three weeks. So I went every Friday um, for 18 treatments except for the ones that I couldn't have because of my counts being so low. So I started August 4th with my first treatment, and then I finished um, December 1st was my last treatment. Um, And I'm going to get into the treatments later down the road because let me tell you something. Those little puppies were not fun, and I I really went through the – a really rough time with the treatments, but I managed to get them all in and – you know, the one thing he told me in that oncology appointment, appointment, um, lots of bad news in that appointment. That's a scary, scary appointment that I took my parents with me, um, but they didn't go back with me. And that's another long story. But so trying to grasp everything they're saying to you that day and you're overwhelmed and it's scary and 
your brain's going a million miles an hour. Um, and you try to remember, I just remember repeating everything back that he said to me in my head so I could remember it. But, you know, the one thing he said to me is that you're going to go bald. You will lose your hair. No ifs, ands, or buts, you will lose your hair. And boy, was he right, because I was as bald as a cue ball. Um, but anyway, I'm going to get into all that later, because there's a lot of things that come along with losing your hair that's um, crazy. Um, it's just the weirdest thing ever. So I, I just um, There's a lot of thoughts on that that I'm going to get into at a later podcast. But anyway, so I started... Um, August 4th was my first treatment. I had chemo on Fridays um, to kind of help. I thought that would give me a couple of days to feel better before I had to go to work on Monday, with Monday, which is just a joke because you don't really start feeling bad till Sunday. And then by Monday, it was, you know, all downhill from there. But I survived, and I, I worked pretty much every day. There were a couple of days or a few days where I had to work from home because I just literally could not drag myself out of my house. But I uh, managed to to work every day, which was surprising to me. But the one thing the doctor said to me that, boy, I tell you what, it resonated with me, and I was determined. He said, because I, you know, when I asked that question, will I be able to work, he goes, I'm going to make sure that you can work. And he goes, but Lisa, you got to stay up. Because he said, if you go down, it's hard to get back up. He goes, so you got to stay active. He said, keep working out, which is one question I asked him, can I continue to work out? He said, absolutely, and said, I am you know, I encourage you to work out. He goes, don't try to go run a marathon when you're on chemo. He said, but continue doing what you were doing. So I will tell you, I drug my crazy body to a 6 a.m. boxing class three days a week. And then I trained with a personal trainer boxing on um, three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So there were days, there were a few days I couldn't do it, but I would say maybe I don't know, not very many. Um, I think the boxing class really did help me feel better about, um, I think it helped kind of get the poison moving through my body um, a little bit, and so I did usually feel better after boxing class. But anyway, this is going to be part one. I'm going to do another part uh, later of kind of going through chemo and losing your hair, um, which is a crazy phenomenon. And the one thing they told me is that, you know, two weeks from the day, of your first treatment, your hair starts falling out. And so, um, you know, the, the one thing I thought about through that is that, oh, okay, you know, a little bit falls out on the two weeks to the day, and it's a gradual, it's a month process. So I scheduled a hair shaving party, a head shaving party, because I didn't want it to be traumatic, and I thought walking into a salon that was full of mirrors and having my um, hairdresser shave my head just didn't sound appealing to me I thought I'm gonna have a bunch of girls over and we're gonna have fun with it which we did and I recommend that to anybody um but your hair doesn't just start gradually falling out like it falls out in the handfuls and it is probably one of the most traumatic things you can go through and it's not that it's you know I cried the morning on my head shaving party because I woke up and I literally had hair the, the the growth the hair falling out sticks to the hair that's still attached because the hair follicle's dead and your hair becomes very gummy and um, sticky. Is it, I don't know, a better word to describe it. So it just kind of clumps to the hair that's still attached. So I literally had a clump of hair on top of my head and a clump of hair on the back and I tried to wash it and there was just no washing it. It is like a mass of dead hair all clumped together. 
And so I just literally had to take scissors to my head, and I just had a crew cut on top. And it was almost like a faux hawk down the middle of my head because I had to cut these huge two clumps of a hair off my head. And, you know, I, I, I melted down at that point. I really had a crazy cry at 6 o'clock in the morning cutting my hair um, off my head. And, it, and it's not that you lose your hair. Obviously, your hair grows back. I mean, that's, we all know that. But it's the fact that you are losing your hair by the handfuls because you have poison in your body. And you think about, it's done this to my hair. What's it doing to my organs? And it's just a weird thing to wrap your brain around. And But I will tell you, hair falling out in the handfuls, and literally you walk outside in wind, and you see your hair blow by your head. Like, it just blows off your head. It's a crazy, 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 crazy experience. Um, and the thing, I'm gonna, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to continue this process once we... Um, cause I want to talk about my first day of chemo and how scary that is. But, um, the one thing that I got frustrated with that no one tells you in all this process here, sure, they tell you in chemo class, your hair is going to fall out two weeks from the day of your first treatment. What they don't tell you is when your hair is falling out and it feels like your head's on fire. It literally feels like your scalp has been scalded. Um, my hair started falling out on a Wednesday two weeks to the day my appointment my first chemo treatment was on friday so two two days shy of my two weeks it started falling out by the handfuls um and that saturday which would have been the day after my first two weeks after my first treatment the day after i'm laying in bed and i just reach up you know because you're just like your hair you know your pillows your pillowcase is covered in hair and i reached up and it literally felt like my skin or my scalp was on fire and I remember thinking, laying there going, why is my head on fire? What is happening to my scalp? Of course, I grabbed my phone and I Google, and I, I followed blogs of women that were uh, going through chemo as well just to kind of get their firsthand experience. And it, all of them said that that's what happens when your hair starts falling out. It feels like you've been scalded. So that's just something we'll talk about later, but I just wanted to touch on that, that um, – so if you're if you're going through chemo right now and you you're to that point where your hair is starting to fall out, schedule a fun day with your friends and have them all over and just celebrate the fact, um, and that they're there with you and they're supporting you and just do a head shaving party because let me tell you something it wasn't traumatic at all it was fun and I have you know the greatest girlfriends that were there for me and supported me so that's part one of my podcast um, I'm going to do a second podcast on. Um, starting chemo and what I went through during the the 18 treatments of chemo um but thank you for following along and our my first guest after this podcast will be um Andrea Maynard who is um recently diagnosed in September and she's actually having surgery next week and we're going to talk to her about her experience with colorectal cancer treatment um and diagnosis thanks for following and I look forward to um my next podcast with you. Thanks.